ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. The ego and the need to be right. In this episode, Eckhart gives a brief talk about the difference between being versus becoming. He says, when we focus on becoming, we look to the future for our fulfillment. He believes this is when we lose sight of our being, which is connected to the now. Eckhart then answers a question about the need to be right and winning an argument at all costs, which he explains is a common form of ego. Eckhart believes as we grow in presence, the drive to be right diminishes. The ego loosens its grip, and we discover we might even be willing to admit we're wrong. He says this is a sure sign of spiritual growth. Hello, everybody. Here we are, here and now. Not trying to get anywhere, become anything not even enlightened. There's nothing wrong with becoming, but here our attention is on being. You have the two dimensions, become being and becoming. Coming involves time, past, future, towards the future. In some way, of course, you're aware of the future and you need to give it some attention in, in your practical daily life. The becoming dimension, you want to become better at this, that or the other, learn, acquire, experience new things. That's all fine. And it all happens on the level of becoming. So becoming is an inescapable and necessary part of being human. The only question is, is that all you know? Are you being absorbed by the movement of becoming? Dragged along by this stream of becoming the universe is of course the manifested universe is a universe that is developing evolving life forms new life forms arise things happen continuously new things happen but that's only the surface level of reality which undoubtedly exists, has a certain reality, 
but it's also a dream-like thing. A dream in the dreams evaporate fairly quickly, and then in this world of becoming, things also become, and then they cease to become. They 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 become, and then they dissolve, and then become and dissolve. So when you're only moving towards becoming, you're moving towards growth, but you're also moving towards death. The future holds the promise of fulfillment, but it also holds the threat of the end, death. The future is a two-edged sword it says, I put everything you want, I can give you. And then it takes it away. <laughs> and sometimes when the movement of, when the taking away part starts, and it could start at any stage in your life, definitely it starts when you get older, you become more aware of mortality, but it could start at an earlier point too, when suddenly something goes wrong in your life, a big upset, disruption, big loss, death, somebody close to you, collapse of something that was important to you. And whenever that happens, there's an opportunity. At first, it's a very unpleasant thing. It's suffering arises, of course. And then suddenly, there's a possibility for you to become aware of the being dimension. When the Becoming dimension is no longer satisfying. When the becoming dimension becomes unsatisfying, <laughs> as it will and must eventually, for quite a while it's satisfying, and then it, it, it's no longer satisfying. <laughs> so when the becoming dimension becomes unsatisfying, suffering arises, but also the possibility of being forced almost to go deeper and suddenly become aware of the depth dimension, which is the being dimension within yourself and within the universe, it's the same thing. So you suddenly become aware that there is another dimension. You stop running towards the next thing and you become aware of yourself at a deeper level than the becoming level. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. 
Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. At the deeper level, I call it the deep eye. You are already complete. There's no time involved in any kind of improvement. It's not necessary because on the level of being, nothing could be added to you. And that is why it's often described as by those who have realized it or have had a glimpse of it, a place of intense joy and aliveness, but also deep peace. Satchitananda, being, the realization of being, shit, consciousness, pure consciousness. Ananda, joy, bliss, it's one single realization. It is good not to wait for things to collapse in your life. Perhaps in some ways you have already experienced collapse in various areas of your life because as you grow older, you cannot go through life without experiencing from time to time loss, calamity, disaster, <laughs> deep disappointment, whatever you want to call it. Of course, everybody does. If you And if you go through life believing that something is fundamentally wrong with your life when these things happen to you, then you're deluded. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with you when you experience disaster or uh, deep loss collapse, whatever it may be, it's inevitable that there are, that, that is inseparable from the realm of becoming. So the being aware of what opens up when things collapse is death in one way or another, death, it's some form of death, even if you go through a divorce, an, a long-standing relationship breaks up, it's a, it's a kind of death you're experiencing. And when death is faced without resistance, you see it's an opening. It leaves an emptiness. Death, when something dissolves, obviously, that was there in the world of form, it leaves an emptiness. And that emptiness, people don't want to look at it, and that's why they don't want to look at death. Death is dreadful, especially the Western world, and a lot of the planet has become kind of westernized. Western means focused intensely on becoming, <laughs> and they're very good at it. So the Western approach to death is, is virtually a taboo. Let's not talk about it. So when it comes, it's a terrible shock. But death is leaves this an emptiness there that you want to, oh, I don't want to look at it. But if you don't resist, it, you realize that this empty space that's left when something that was important to you has dissolved, that's an entry point portal into the being dimension. And when you realize that, you see how on the other side of death, which looks like a terrible calamity, especially if you've never 
giving it any attention and pretending that death doesn't exist or is a travesty that should never happen. <laughs> and then you see there's this there's an opening, an empty space, and what shines through that empty space is being. And so you a portal into being is whenever something collapses in your life or dies, potentially it's a portal into the realization of the dimension of being. And then you, you become aware of yourself as the deep eye, which is the, the being that you are, that is fullness, life in its fullness already is there as you, in you and as you. That's why Jesus said, I want you to have the fullness of life. That's the promise, that's the teaching. I want you to have the fullness of life. And the fullness of life, the Buddha calls emptiness. <laughs> it seems the opposite of what Jesus said, but it's the same thing. It's just you brought it from a different direction. Fullness is not to be understood as containing many things. The fullness that Jesus speaks of is prior to all things, all content. It's not to do with content. It's a primordial fullness, the deep sense of aliveness and peace that needs nothing because everything is already contained there and prior to form. It's the formless dimension, another way of putting it. Now, the wonderful thing is we are here and now because we've realized the possibility of this and in most of you, the being dimension is already arising. You already have some access to it. That's the, this is what has drawn you here. No, no, ultimately not here, although we call it school, it's not a school in the sense that you learn things, that you, you add things to your mind, concepts and all that. It's not that. You realize who you are at this level is complete, totally complete. And there's no time in it. It's not the person anymore. And you get it when you see a moment of stillness, like now, when you listen attentively to these words. Of course, the words are just signposts. They're not it. But behind the words, there is the dimension to which these words point. It is within you. And it is possible, and I hope it is the case, that as you listen to these signposts, at the same time, you have at least some realization of what it is that these words point to within yourself. An inner space of stillness, for example, could call it that. The deep eye, free of concepts, free of past and future. So 
your sense of who you are, your sense of identity has shifted from the personal sense of self determined by the past, looking towards the future. The personal sense of self, it has shifted. And by the way, the personal sense of self is a story, ultimately. It's, it's a collection of thoughts that you identify with as yourself and as your life. And you tell yourself the story again and again, looking for some solution because the story is not yet satisfying enough. <laughs> And some areas of the story are very unsatisfying, but you have to think about it. <laughs> Can't stop thinking about it. So your sense of identity is no longer derived from the content of your mind, but it goes, it shifts, it goes to a deeper level. We could use either deeper or higher. I, pref I prefer the word deeper because higher could, could create the impression that who you essentially are is up there somewhere. Where, where, where's my real self? Well, it's up there. <laughs> it's easier to finally go within. <laughs> it's not up there. You go, so it's the, the deep eye. And that gives you your sense of who you are identity, but very different from the self identity, the personal identity. It's an identity that is very powerful. There's in this, the power of the universe itself is there, but it doesn't have concepts in it. So on that level, conceptually, you no longer know who you are conceptually. Because how could you, if you have no concepts about who you are, who are you? And your past becomes irrelevant because your past is an accumulation of thoughts. You have to think about your past for the past to exist. So all that becomes irrelevant to who you are. So another question I could ask, who are you without your past right now? Don't remember your past, let go of it. There's no need to remind yourself of who you are, just let go of any concept that tell you who you are. Now, what's left of who you are when you have let go of all concepts of who you are that tell you who you are? <laughs> now, you won't be able to answer that because any answer would be another concept, but you can sense the beingness of you. That's one way of putting it no concepts, a presence or the presence. And that's your true identity is there. Your true beingness is there. Who you essentially are, the essence of who you are is there. That's it. The challenge now is when you get involved in becoming again, as you have to, because you're a person here, not to completely lose yourself in the stream of becoming so that you can deal with the becoming dimension where you do things, think about things, interact with other people, learn new skills, have new experiences, and so on, 
not to be totally absorbed by the stream of becoming because all the challenges exist there too as you move in the stream of becoming you it's like a like a river you're a current of a river you're in this river and it's dragging you along and then you see there are these big boulders sticking out of the river here and there so dangerous these are the big challenges of life because and sometimes the river drags you into you, you hit one of these huge boulders go, oh that was painful and that's inevitable that from time to time you hit these boulders in the river of becoming <laughs> so the the skill then is have some awareness left awareness of the being dimension, which is a wrong way of saying it, because when I use words, I have a subject and an object in a sentence, grammatical structure of a sentence. So when I say awareness of being, uh, it sounds like two things. I am aware of being, but it's not two things. It's one, it's the self-awareness. <laughs> So, and when I say you are aware of yourself, that again is wrong. <laughs> but language forces us to, to use these words. And then we have a grammatical structure in a sentence that immediately creates a duality. Whenever you open your mouth and form a sentence, which has a subject and an object, most sentences have, duality immediately arises. And so you think of yourself on a conceptual level, you think about your life, my life, even the words my life, as it's already a duality that the mind has created, because it implies that you and life are two things, different things. My life, there's me and there's life, but you are life. And then people say, I have a good life, I have a bad life. Well, who? Who are you without life? What is life? And even things like I love myself, which is better than I hate myself, but it's still not the absolute truth because there's a duality there. Who are you and what it is that you love? What is it that you love? Who are you? <laughs> and then the fear comes that you could lose your life. He lost his life. Okay, so there's he. And there's a life that he lost, two entities. <laughs> so who is he without life? So you can't lose your life and you don't have a life. You are life, a manifestation of the one life, the one consciousness that expresses itself in countless forms through, throughout the universe. The one life, the one consciousness that underlies all the phenomenal, phenomenal existence, phenomena, which means the manifested world, that all the, what there is underneath the world of phenomena, that birth and death, birth and death, things arise and subside, arising and subsiding, underneath this continuous movement, of becoming and dying and becoming and dying lies a vast intelligence, a vast consciousness. It expresses itself as 
a tree, a blade of grass, a bird, or you, yourself, or me, a human. And it expresses itself undoubtedly in many other forms, life forms. And of course, what our senses give us access to is a very limited range of reality. And of course, there are other dimensions, but they're all, all this is the manifested world. There's nothing beyond the, the, the one. I have some awareness and that's a continuous alertness is required so that the stream of becoming does not completely take you over. And so you have some awareness left in that field of awareness. <laughs> You're aware of yourself as the presence. In other words, you know, there's a stillness in you that you can sense in the background even while you do things in the foreground. Foreground and background. The background is the consciousness and you can't see it. It's the unseen and and who you are is mostly unseen. The body itself is a tiny fragment of who you, but you, who, who you essentially are is not something that could be perceived with the senses, the five senses. No surgeon, if they open up your body or your brain, would find you there. They cannot find you there because you are essentially invisible because you belong to that realm. So our challenge is, as you go through life, realize, don't forget, realize the most important thing in any situation or whatever you're doing is where, whether you're still aware of yourself in the background, the, of, of the invisible self, the invisible being, the alive stillness, the presence in the background of what you do. Even while you go about your business doing this and that, walking somewhere, driving somewhere, using your devices, are you still aware of the background? <laughs> so foreground, background. The background is the essence of who you are. That's where you're complete already. The foreground is where things you need to do things, the realm of doing. You then you are a two-dimensional being, one foot in one world, the transcendent dimension, and one foot in the phenomenal dimension of the manifested world, the world of becoming, being becoming. Bring these two together, and then you fulfill the purpose of your life by accepting the challenge and the task of bringing the two dimensions together within yourself in, the, in your daily life. That is, are you able to succeed in that? Of course, you may not succeed immediately, but that is your main reason for being here is to embody both dimensions, bring the dimension of being into this world of becoming. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. 
You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Your personal circumstances don't matter. You can do it whether you are in a living in a mansion or in a prison. You can do it regardless of your life situation. And in fact, it's probably more likely for you to realize this in a prison cell than in a mansion. Until a moment comes when the mansion collapses in an earthquake, then perhaps something opens up. Or perhaps you are so detached that the mansion, although you're still there, is not important to you. It's there, it's fine. But you won't know that for sure, because it's easy to say, I've often met people who say, I'm no longer attached to these things. But you won't know that for sure until the thing disappears or leaves you or is destroyed. Then you'll know whether you were right or wrong when you said, I'm not attached to it. And attachment is something that means you derive part of your identity from it, a ultimately a superficial and ultimately fictitious sense of self. So perhaps we'll go to a question after this uh, introduction. <laughs> Let's see what they are. Hi. Uh, hello, Eckhart. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. And I'm just very happy to be able to be talking to you. Yes, yes. Um, I've read some of your books and a lot of the things you were talking about just now hit home with the death piece of it, because that's when I ran into your book, Power of Now. And it was the perfect time for that because I was at that place where everything had sort of, with the death of my husband, everything else didn't matter, nothing mattered. And I was at that open place, um, as you talk about. And I didn't know I was at that place until later. My question, you've, you've answered it actually today with the becoming and the being coming, working together, but it's still, it's a, it's a question for me as I use these practices is how can I stay conscious when I'm in a really intense kind of communication um, situation or discussion when I really want to make my point because I know it's the point that needs to be made, right? Uh, I noticed that I become unconscious then, and I'm really involved in that discussion. But how do I how do I stay present in that when I really feel like I need to make that point? And then the other part of it is I practice the okay, the breathing and being still, and then I don't even enter the discussion really. I just am there being still and present and not making my point. And I I've tried. I've, I've tried it, but I, I, I do know that when I'm not conscious, 
or I watch myself being that way. So that I really, I, I pat myself on the back when I'm at least watching myself be unconscious, if you, if I, if that makes sense. Oh yes, just makes sense. <laughs> but how can I get to that place where both, as you just said, the being and the becoming are together? Cause I feel like I'm on a seesaw kind of thing Yes. where I'm present, but I'm not really involved in the discussion or I'm really totally in it and I'm not really present. Very How good. Get, get together. Very good point. Very good question. Many people experience that, I'm sure. I know that many people have the same challenge. Uh, they, if people who become aware of uh, the depth dimension of being, for some time, for quite some time, it may happen that uh, they can either be still and present or they can be involved in the world and then lose the stillness. So they're either one or the other, but at least you, you already have access to the other. So that, that's a, a huge, a, a pro, wonderful progress in your evolution that at least you're aware of that dimension or that you're not yet able to bring the two together, which is the big challenge. So in a discussion, it's very, very easy to get completely drawn into the stream of self-identified thinking. So there's not only, you have a mental position, that means an opinion or a viewpoint or perspective on something, something you believe, this is how it is. And it's important that the other person should ought to believe that, that's why, <laughs> the discussion arises, you want to show the other person that you are right. Yeah. And <laughs> so the need, the need to be right is a very, um, and it's good to observe it in yourself as it arises. Uh, the need to be right is a very strong egoic need. It's part of the ego survives by being right. It needs to be right. It cannot be wrong because it considers being wrong uh, to be a small death, it dies uh, when it's shown to be wrong. It's virtually intolerable to the egoic sense of self <laughs> to be wrong. Yeah. So it needs to show that it's right. So it's to the desire, the compulsion to be right is a, a very, very common form of ego. The uh, and. Now you already may, as I believe you mentioned just now, sometimes you are perhaps in, in the middle of being involved in a discussion, you become aware that you are in the grip of this strong movement. Yep. And that's an enormous gain in consciousness to be aware because uh, most people are not aware. They Perhaps if they're lucky, they wake up afterwards and say, oh, they, uh, and then perhaps retrospectively they say, I got so upset, but it was completely pointless. <laughs> because very often it is pointless. No change will come of it. And the more you are identified with your mental position, which is ego, mental position is a group of thoughts or one thought. To be identified means, as you probably know, is you derive your sense of self from certain thoughts. So they are said these thoughts are imbued with a sense of self. Uh, 
very different from just ordinary thoughts. These are egoic thoughts. And for, this is quite normal for most people to have to be in the grip of that, to be in the grip of mental, these mental positions. Now, if you can be aware while it happens, you're already beginning to step out of it. You may not be able to stop yourself at that point. Right. <laughs> but, there, but there is an observing presence in the background. There's some presence. It can't, it cannot yet change the situation. It's not strong enough to for, because you're so involved in the identification with your mental position at that point that you cannot step out of it, but you can know already that you are in it. That's mm -hmm. that is yeah. a, that is an important step because. Most people are so identified in those moments, they do not know what's happening to them. Because ultimately, something is happening to you in, in these situations. You are not doing it, it's happening to you. <laughs> uh, so, because there's virtually no choice involved, because once this is something triggers, you have a discussion, something is triggered in you, and then the, the mind comes up and speaks through you, and it's the egoic mind. It is helpful so that there's more presence in you to practice presence, to become aware of presence when you're not being challenged. Because, for example, situations that are conducive to being present are being out in nature. These are situations when, you, when you're really there, Absorb, look at every, the sky, the, the ocean, and, and to give your fullest attention, say, oh, it's, it's so wonderful, but not just give attention to that. At the same time, feel the presence that you are as you observe that. Mm -hmm. So you have that which you observe, and you can sense that presence. So nature can make you still, if you give attention to nature, any natural phenomenon, it can help you to become still because nature is not mind. It's, it's, it's prior to mind. So nature can have, help you to be, use nature a lot and practice stillness when you're not being challenged. And gradually the power of stillness grows in you. Stillness itself doesn't grow, but the ability of stillness to, to come through you grows. It's like, let's say, having a light in you. The light in you ultimately it does not grow because it's timeless, the light of consciousness, the light that you are, that in itself, the light does not grow. But to use an analogy, a very weird analogy, let's say you or any human being, you are like a lamp. The person is a lampshade and the, the light behind is the, the, the light of consciousness of who you are. Now the lampshade, varies from person to person. It consists of all kinds of forms of conditioning. And some lampshades are very dense. They, they let very little light through. You can still see light through, otherwise there would be nothing there. But it, there's a density in this lampshade. <laughs> so when I say you, the power of presence grows in you, it doesn't mean that the consciousness itself grows because that would imply time. And consciousness is timeless. So the essence of who you are is timeless. But when we look at this from this dimension, it seems that gradually 
you become more conscious, you become more present. What that means is that the, the lampshade gradually loses its density, less resistance, uh, less ego. So this is what I mean when I say the presence power, gradually it grows in you, which means gradually you, you, the light of presence becomes brighter. It shines through you more easily because the lampshade, which is a person or the personality, becomes less dense. And this is what's happening to you. So do not demand that immediately you should be free of, of all identification with thinking. There's still a lampshade there that's perfectly fine. Gradually, though, the presence in you grows and you already, quite often, as you say, the witnessing presence is there in the background. And that witnessing presence is that this presence grows in you and then gets stronger. And then the point may come when in the middle of a converse, a heated discussion, let's say, uh, you suddenly become aware and, and say, you see, it's actually pointless. The only yeah. point it is it strengthens your sense of self. <laughs> and, and then you may be able to just drop it Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. A, well, <laughs> I would like that. I recommend that you, whenever it, it happens, that you regard it as an experiment. <laughs> Next time you are involved in a some kind of discussion, whatever the topic may be, be that you feel strongly about, regard it as an experiment in consciousness and see, okay, now what happens if I if I drop if I drop it? in the middle of it or at the beginning, doesn't matter at what point mm. it drop. And am I able to do it? Am I able to really let go? Especially if you see the point, because many discussions are actually pointless. They do not bring about any change. They only reinforce your sense of self <laughs> because the, if you, especially if you win the discussion, and, but very often there is no winner because when you are involved in an egoic uh, position, it's very unlikely that you convince anybody else because they are involved in their egoic position. <laughs> you just strengthen, you mutually strengthen your ego. Now, there are other uh, situations where perhaps something, you're having the discussion with somebody because some change needs to happen. For example, let's say, you bought something and it's defective and then you bring it back to the store and then the, the, the shopkeeper refuses to give you your money back or whatever the situation be. Now, now here, this would be a situation where you, you want to initiate a change in the situation. And there too, it is quite often more effective to let go of the egoic involvement. It doesn't mean that you cannot pursue the discussion. And that's an interesting point. Yes, quite often discussions are totally pointless. And, and the more conscious you become, the more you realize which discussions are actually completely pointless and what discussions may have some purpose. Some discussion may have some purpose, especially those discussions. Is there, question is, is there an alternative to becoming so identified 
with your position, your viewpoint, that you you lose yourself in it and you become very emotional. Uh, some people even start shouting, or I'm sure not not you, but in some unconscious people, it it even can reach, reach a point of violence, physical violence. Uh, the ego, I'm sure you are, you don't beat people up, but no, usually. <laughs> not usually, no. <laughs> but the, the ego in in people who are very unconscious, when the ego feels it's being threatened, it, it's losing his the argument, it will it can resort in very unconscious people it can often resort to physical violence. So often people come to physical violence happens as a result of a heated discussion. It's not uncommon uh, in this world. Now, is there an alternative to, uh, is it still possible to put forward in situations where it is really necessary because a change, you want a change to bring about a change in a situation is it possible to express yourself firmly and clearly without ego? Mm -hmm. And again, that's a that's a practice. Can you can you can you explain the situation in clear, straightforward language, perhaps even forceful, because some situations may require it, without anger, without negativity. This is especially important, for example, with children. Sometimes they do silly things, and you need to be very strongly say, this is wrong. This may be very dangerous, what they may be doing something, climb on a high wall and might fall off. You need to sometimes very forcefully say this. And it's important to be able to do that, perhaps a little easier with children, your children, because because perhaps you can be free of ego with your children more easily than with other people. I don't know. I'm just talking generally. To be forceful without negativity, with, which means without ego, in situations that actually require it. Or you have an animal, you have a dog. Some people get angry with their animals. <laughs> I knew some people who they would have angry discussions with their cat. Why did you do that? You shouldn't have done that. Uh, and there, there are two kinds of no. There is a no that is toxic and negative. And there's another no that has no negativity, but it's just strong energy. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's something you can practice. You, there's a, if there's enough awareness in you, you can tell the difference between forcefully say something and to, to know whether there is toxic negativity in it or whether it's a clear power that speaks through you because you recognize the situation requires it. And that also means that once the situation has been dealt with, you're able to immediately let go of it. You don't, you don't need to revive it in your head because you might have noticed when you lose yourself in a discussion, a heated argument discussion, sometimes for a long time afterwards, you, you replay it in your head. Not, it's not uncommon. And, and often people in their head, when they replay an argument, they find better things to say that they should have said, but they, why didn't I think of that? I should have said that. <laughs> so they keep it alive. They keep it alive in their head. And some people then go back to that person <laughs> and want to 
revive the discussion because they found better counter arguments in the meantime because they <laughs> and so they go back to this person you know you know another thing I should I want to tell you and it starts all over again and you're also familiar with people having a heated discussion one person walks out of the room in anger and one minute later the door opens and he or she comes back in and says oh and I thought of something else <laughs> it's all a little crazy and dysfunctional <laughs> the main thing has already happened to you which is there is an observing presence when these things arise and as this observing presence grows then you will be able to tell the difference between a discussion that is pointless, that only strengthens your ego, and then you practice letting go. It's a wonderful practice. It's easier probably to let go at the beginning when you can feel the compulsion arising to say something here. And at that point, it's, you see how futile it is, and you let go of it. Oh, you drop it. It's very liberating to let go of something like that. At first you feel the ego feels diminished when you do that. Oh yes, one more thing. <laughs> when you are involved in a discussion, when you let go of something, the ego feels it's a little death that the ego dies when you, when you see the futility of a counter argument when, of even getting involved in it and you let go of it. At first it feels very strange. You're not fueling the other person's position because when you, when you contradict, you give fuel to the other person's ego when you come from your ego. So that's all when, it's when you recognize that, you let go of that. And uh, sometimes you may find you want to put forward your opinion when let's say there's a group of people they're discussing this or that and suddenly you feel the need arise to very you have a very strong need to say no 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 this that's not how it, how it is i'll tell you and then it's a, that is again is an egoic need to assert yourself the ego wants to assert itself and grow through this situation and when you see it's actually pointless to give your contribution here to this, and he said, okay, let, I'll just drop it. This urge to insert yourself in the conversation and give your viewpoint, and you just, as an experiment, let's drop it. This can be quite pleasant. At first it feels very strange to the, because the ego shrinks then. But when the, the more the ego shrinks, the more power comes through you true power the more presence power comes through you and that's the that's a wonderful thing so it's it's practice presence when you're not being challenged in these situations so that when the situations arise you can regard them every time you're involved in some kind of discussion which is you notice it's beginning to become a heated discussion see okay here's my experiment in consciousness then you have, right. instead of your purpose, then your main purpose is no longer to, to convince the other person that you're right or whatever it may be. Your main purpose is to, to conduct this experiment in consciousness. So your purpose shifts in the situation. 
and that'll be very interesting. So you do it next time, whenever, you, sometimes you can see, oh, it's beginning to happen when you, uh, oh, there it is. And that's where you come, your presence needs to come in. So, okay, here, let's experiment with this. The first thing is, is there any point at all in, in, in arguing? And if you say, yes, there still is a point, because this person might be convinced by what I say, it's possible, especially if you don't say it with ego, it's possible that you can convince a person. The more ego is in your argument, the less likely it is that you will convince or persuade anybody. So you'll only strengthen the other person's ego. But if you put forward your position uh, clearly and concisely, so there's no ego in it, you don't have the need to be right, and it could be that you're wrong. That is a wonderful thing for a person to be able to say, oh, you're right, I was wrong. The ego can't do that. The ego would rather create some kind of lie mm -hmm. because it's more important for the ego to be right than to find the truth. <laughs> and so if, you, if the ego cannot be right, it would rather lie than find the truth. So probably you are beyond that stage already. I don't think you would, from what I can sense or feel, you would uh, resort to falsehood or lying just to be, continue to be right. But I'm just saying this for other people, it might be helpful for other people to know that uh, often the ego will be very happy to lie in order. It will create any kind of total factual untruths just to continue to be right. <laughs> it's quite amazing to watch how the ego, how it operates. <laughs> so as you're talking, I can see many scenarios. And so I have many opportunities to experiment. Right. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Great. Well, I wish you success in this. And I feel confident that you will succeed, perhaps not every time, but, but you will succeed. Yes, and thank you very much. I, I thank you for the explanation and the conversation. I appreciate it. And very much thank you personally for bringing all of this out, your books, everything, because um, you're, you're right on. I mean, <laughs> you really are. <laughs> so thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. I'm Oprah Winfrey. And you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive.
Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.